Crawford's just better now. That's all you can say. Run, Lindsey! Lindsey Scott! Lindsey Scott! Lindsey Scott! Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Bar spark it to people. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are going to do our full draft recap. We had our first part talking about the first round. Today, we're going to go through another brief recap of round one and then do rounds two through seven. Yeah, interesting draft for a number of reasons, right? Like virtual drafts, so a lot of things going on. I think tons of little funny things that happen, which we talked about a bunch from last time. But why don't we start off with I think what was probably the story of the day for most dogs fans, and that was Jake's maybe plummets, not the wrong word, but that's kind of what it felt like watching it. I mean, I, I know we were texting during it and going, I mean, if he doesn't get taken here, where's he going to go? We just didn't see places on the board. He would land as it got later and later. And how surprised were you when he got taken by the bills? Very surprised. Uh, first off, I, didn't realize Buffalo was in the market for a quarterback. I mean, they just spent, what was it, seventh overall pick on Josh Allen a few years ago. I know Josh Allen is injury prone because he runs a little too much, in my opinion, for this day and age in the NFL. I know he's built like a Mack truck. He's built like Cam Newton. But you see how quickly Cam's body's broken down and he's still a free agent at this point. So I don't, maybe they're looking at, you know, a security blanket. First off, I don't see the fit in Buffalo right now because of of Allen, obviously, unless they're looking for, for a backup. But I think that's what we talked about is that we talked about it before. Jake needs to get into a, a spot where he is a backup and can develop. You know, you know, what's interesting about that fit. I think, you know, who the offensive coordinator there now is, don't you? It's Brian Dayball. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama in the national championship game. Yeah. So I thought that was a little bit interesting about it. Cause obviously he's going, well, you know, I saw this kid, he can play or, you know, there had to be some conversation like that. Right. So I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting based on the trouble Jake has had in like bad weather and stuff and the questions about hand size and all that, that an organization that plays eight games in really cold weather most of the time or like could be snow and all those type things. Obviously, that didn't matter to them that they liked Jake and, and took him. I mean, the quotes coming from their organization pretty much were we just saw the value at that pick and couldn't say no to it, which, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I thought. I mean, you get the kid like that at 167th pick hop on it you know yeah and i also feel like this is one of those situations where alan has proven he can't i don't think he's played 16 games yet and if it gets to the point to where and i read an article might have been yesterday actually where there was a where there was one nfl scout who said that jake's the type of kid that if alan gets hurt and jake gets in there Jake's going to do well. He's not going to light the world on fire because that's not Jake's style. Jake doesn't put up gaudy numbers. Jake, you know, does what he does. He gets the, he's intelligent. He gets the team in the right play. And then he's going to turn around and he's going to, he's going to lead the team and he's going to do his job and the team is going to do well under him. He's a leader. He's a leader of men. And even at 21, 22, he's still going to, he's going to command that huddle and he's going to do his job. And, I mean, let's face it, they did just trade for a prima donna at wide receiver. With their, They traded their first overall pick for Stephon Diggs. Great talent, but, you know, wide receivers are prima donnas. If you're going to tell me Josh Allen or Jake Fromm, who's going to command that huddle better for a prima donna like that, I'm going to take Jake Fromm over Josh Allen. Just facts. So, But the scout basically said, you know, Allen gets hurt for more than a couple of games. Jake Fromm's probably going to get in there, and he's going to take that job. He's not going to let it go. Yeah, it was like a – 
all, all my worlds collide moment when he got picked. Uh, this is probably more information than anybody cares about. But number one, my next door neighbor is like a the biggest Bills fan I've ever met in my life. Like loves the Bills. Every time I see him in the driveway, he's talking to me about the Bills. Like I feel like I know more about the Bills than I know about the teams that I follow in the NFL just because my man, Mr. Steve, is always telling me about the Bills. So that made me laugh because the first person I thought of when they got picked was like, oh, man, Mr. Steve can be jacked up by Jake. The other thing is Sean McDermott's the head coach. I played baseball at William Mary's an undergrad, so William Mary's my, my alma mater. And uh, Sean McDermott played there. I can't remember if he played with – yeah, I think he was. I think he was on the same teams as Mike Tomlin when he was there. So, um, you know, not to plug this or anything, but more more William Mary head coaches in the NFL than any other uh, university in the country. So go Tribe. And I, another interesting tidbit about that is Marv Levy was the head coach at William Mary before he became – an NFL head coach and obviously coached the Bills to, to four straight Super Bowls. So a lot of tie-ins. I was just like, man, this is awesome. Like all my worlds collide here. Go tribe, go dogs. See, for for you, it's it's a good thing. For me, it's a bad thing because both of my brother-in-laws are my my wife and my brother-in-laws are both from upstate New York. My brother-in-laws are diehard Bills fans, and they are your typical Bills fans. So they are the obnoxious, you know talk about throwing people through tables bills fans so now i yeah bills bills mafia bills mafia so there i'm on the opposite spectrum of that where i'm just like oh god now it's now jake plays for those idiots (laughs) well i did think was interesting about the fit like not just the day ball thing but you know mcdermott has obviously built a team that plays pretty good defense and it just seemed maybe philosophically there could be some similarities to what he did at Georgia, right? I mean, I, I hate it when he gets called a game manager because I don't think that's what he was. I mean, he wasn't game managing when he leads him for a touchdown drive at the end of the Rose Bowl, right? And it wasn't game managing during the Florida games. I I just hate that that gets thrown around. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over, and he makes the right reads most of the time. I mean, if you if you take away that South Carolina game from this year, tell me a game where he lost the game for them. I can't really think of one. I mean, there were games where he didn't play that great, but nobody else did either. You know, you think about the LSU game in Death Valley, or you think about the Auburn game in 17 on the Plains. I mean, he didn't play great those games, but really, did anybody play great those days? Not really. So that South Carolina game is the only one where you go, man, Jake, Jake kind of, kind of let it go on that one but even even that even that game two of those picks one was a wrong route and the other one literally hit Tyler Simmons right in the face and yeah so that was a tough I mean the the pick six obviously was the the backbreaker I think because I think that turned things and I think everybody's butts got tight uh after that play but the other two I mean you know what are you gonna do so I I thought there were some fits there philosophically with Buffalo and like you said uh, man I'll tell you what based on Jake's history if I was Josh I wouldn't want to get hurt no not at all but I mean Jake is going to do what Jake does, and if he gets a shot, I I will always stand by Kirby Smart's words. I will not bet against Jake Fromm. At the end of the day, Jake has proven, you know, if he gets a chance, and just as Jacob Eason and Justin Fields will know, they're going to be playing elsewhere. Yeah, I'll tell you, I wouldn't uh, – and obviously NFL's a different game, so who knows, right? But I think there are intangibles that can't be measured that are important in the game of football, and I think he's got them. I'm interested to see he he is he has become now for me the most compelling story about this draft class, which 
I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't have said that back in January, but that's where I'm at now. You know, as we're looking into NFL preseason and the NFL season, hopefully, that's the kind of storyline I want to follow is, is what ends up happening with Jake. And I think that'll be an interesting storyline as the years progress. Let's let's uh, pivot a little bit to what I think is another interesting storyline and probably mostly for Georgia fans based on the ovations uh, at Sanford Stadium each Saturday. But how about there being, what was it, two kickers drafted and Hot Rod was not one of them? Did that surprise you? It surprised me a lot. And it also surprised me that all the pre-draft buzz, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we even talked on our recap round one. We thought New England was a big landing, a good landing spot for Jake. We also thought that New England was a good landing spot for Rodrigo because they had no kicker and they drafted the kicker from Marshall. So going into last season, Rodrigo probably was the best kicker in college football. Like the, the thought was that he was going to be the best kicker in the draft. Something changed from junior year to senior year with Rodrigo. And it wasn't the kickoffs. It wasn't his long game. It, I think it was the big kicks. I, honestly, it's if you want to if you want to say that. I mean, the OT in South Carolina. You know, it's ever since the the thirty one year old field goal in the SEC championship game. Anytime there's been a game that would have a kick that's had big implications in a tight spot, Rodrigo's fifty fifty. In those and yep. NFL look at that. And it's just, you know, when you play on the biggest stage, you're, you know, like in the SEC, you're just magnified more. So I think that the NFL teams looked at that. Now, with that being said, he couldn't have landed at a better spot. You cannot tell me that Indy is going to go with Vinatieri again after last year. Indy probably lost three games at the beginning of last season because Vinatieri couldn't make an extra point. Well, no, I think uh, I don't even think he's on the roster anymore. Because the article I read about uh, Hot Rod was that the only other kicker on the roster right now is the rookie that filled in for Vinatieri when he was hurt last year. Oh, so his contract was up. I didn't realize his contract was up. Uh, my understanding is he's quote unquote well, retired is probably the wrong word because I haven't seen him like make an announcement. But I, I don't think he's on an NFL roster right now. Um, now I could be a hundred percent wrong about that because I haven't fact checked that. But my understanding is it is a competition between. Rodrigo and this other dude who I can't remember his name. So that's going to be it. Uh, did you also see his signing number? Yeah. Which I found interesting. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, obviously that stuff is, it's neither here nor there. Cause if he makes the roster, he makes the roster. Right. I mean, you'll make, you'll make at least the league minimum. So, you know, no big deal on that. Undrafted free agents typically, unless there's somebody that they really want, don't get big numbers. I mean, they just, yeah. Like, I mean, typically you're looking at, like I think there was one guy I can't I for the life of me there's no way I'm gonna remember his name because it's Polynesian. He played at USC I think, but he got like a three hundred thousand dollar signing bonus, and I I want to say it was with New England because that New England's famous for that for people they really really want who they probably would have spent a draft pick on, but there was somebody who was like they were like oh we can probably get this guy as an undrafted free agent and this guy may not be an undrafted free agent. They gave him like a two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollar signing bonus. To your point, I think it's a great landing spot right because if you're a kicker i would imagine kicking indoors is great there's there's no variables so you're gonna kick on turf for your home games and for your preseason games so so that's great so yeah to to your point i think that's a great landing spot plus i think they have an opportunity to score some points maybe you know phil rivers is going to be there it could be a fun offense for him and completely want to pivot off of this just because we're talking about indy also think a great landing spot for jacob eason 
So just, yeah. just want to point that out. He, I, you know, he didn't finish at Georgia, but he started at Georgia. Really kind of boosted that 2016 class for Georgia. Uh, he was the focal point of that. And really, who knows where Georgia would be if he had decided to stay in Washington in 2016. We would have had that entire season with Grayson Lambert at quarterback. Who knows where Georgia would have been that season? Who knows how that season would have gone with Kirby Smart's first year? So with Eason there, you know, I think that's a great landing spot for him to you know, sit behind Rivers for a year and see what happens. Yeah, to for Jacob, I, I was very happy for him. I don't know how other dogs fans feel, but I, I always felt like he handled that about as good as you could handle it, right? Because uh, obviously, kid's competitor. He was the one of the top quarterbacks in the country, if not the top quarterback in the country the year that he came out. And, you know, he didn't, quote unquote, do anything wrong or lose the job. Got hurt and just never got it back. And I, I just thought he handled it great. And I'll always respect him for that. I did think it was interesting. Kind of feel like the draft analysts wore him out about like, oh, well, he, he lasted the fourth round because A, he's inconsistent, and B, he's got bad work ethic, and all these stories were coming out. And I was like, well, man, I mean, I you know, obviously I don't follow the Washington football team, so I, I saw Jacob's stuff very, you know, from the periphery while he was there, but I never heard any of those things when he was at, at Georgia about work ethic or, you know, not like a, a team guy or, or whatever. So I found that interesting. But for me, I think we've talked about this before. He's always reminded me a lot of Matt Stafford, right? And I think he's got that pro potential as well. He's going to have the big arm. He makes some great throws. I mean, lest we forget, he made, I mean, that 16 season, first off, he makes the fourth down throw to Isaiah uh, in Columbia against Mizzou. Not me. Huge, just big nuts throw, which I say that on purpose because uh, his draft quote was fantastic. They asked him, you know, w- what he thought about going to any, and he's like, I can't wait there to, can't wait to get there and work my nuts off. <laughs> just an excellent quote. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that. Also, the one that always gets forgotten because it was such a brutal beat at the end, but dude, how about the throw at the end of the Tennessee game? To Ridley, yeah. Oh, I mean, drops it on a dime from 50 yards out to Ridley, which should have been the game winner. You know, I think he's interesting. I think he's really interesting. And I think in a normal year, he probably goes higher than the fourth round because they would have fallen in love so much with the intangibles. You know, I think guys like him, guys, I I think Jake did too. I think not having that pro day on campus and not having the opportunity to work out privately for the organizations, I think it hurts guys like that because somebody doesn't get the opportunity to fall in love, right? So you don't get any dates. It's just you meet one time at the bar and then you go home. I mean, that's essentially what happened because everybody had the combine and that was it. So that's like speed dating, right? I mean, nobody got the chance to like get to know anybody. I I think that hurt guys like like Jake and, and Jacob. So yeah, t- to your point, I think that's a great spot for him, and, and I hope he does well. And it works out great, too, because, number one, Phil's probably only going to be there for one year. He only has a one-year contract. Yeah, and what's the odds of him playing all 16 games? Who knows? I mean, he's been very durable, and they have a very good offensive line, but he's getting up there, man. <laughs> yeah, he's getting up there. So let's. Uh, I want to talk about another draft story that for me was interesting and maybe I just read this wrong but after the quotes came out after the draft it did seem more compelling to me but JR not getting drafted knocked me off my seat um that for me probably was the most surprising thing of the day you know we're talking a kid that had a really really good career at Georgia played very well in the premier conference and 
to not get drafted, I was surprised. Now, his dad came out, Jake Reed came out and said that he had torn an ACL, what, in high school? And so teams had flagged him for that, which, God, that seems like such a crock. But so, yeah, so he ends up in Jacksonville as an undrafted free agent. I mean, were you were you surprised at that? I mean, that was that was the story for me. I was extremely surprised that he was not drafted. And I, honestly, the only way that for me that an ACL tear in high school could be an issue is if it wasn't repaired correctly or like it was still causing him issue. Like, does he have tendinitis? Is there like a degenerative issue? Like, I mean, kids tear ACLs in high school all the time. Dude, didn't miss a single game as a dog. Yeah. I mean, and he did. He, I mean, he, when he, well, he transferred from Tulsa, right? Yeah, so yeah, from Tulsa, when he, when he played at Tulsa, he didn't miss that time there. As far as I know, like, I mean, when I look at his stats, he played in 11 games. So before he transferred, I just, I don't get it. I, it makes zero sense to me why that would be the flag that caused him to be undrafted. I have zero doubt that, that he will make the team. Yep. If nothing else as a backup, and as a special teams guy, it, yeah. I have no doubt that he will make the, the 53 man team there. Maybe not in Jack Jacksonville because they're in a lot of transition right now, but I know that he will make a 53 man team somewhere. Yeah. I uh, 100% agree with that. JR to me is a no doubt NFL player. I mean, him not even drafted is a travesty to me. Uh, we have said on the program before JR Reed is, one of our favorites. I mean, I love him. Just wants to hit you in the mouth. He's a smart player, makes big time plays. I mean, I, I just think he's one of those guys has great football instincts. I mean, obviously good lineage, right? His dad was a great player. Yeah. I, I, he's one I'll be rooting for and watching too. I mean, he, he's one of those preseason stories. I, I'm going to be tuned into Jacksonville to see what's going on with JR. Cause I think he's got a shot to be a real impact guy. So, and I think he's gonna be angry, you know, he, what does he always say? Eat greedy. Eat greedy. Wow, he's gonna be he's gonna be ready to eat. I mean, uh, so th- that'll be that'll be compelling to watch too. How about what you think about Dre landing with the Lions? In- interesting, I, a very interesting spot. I I didn't peg him there. I expected him. I mean, he fell thirty five, which is the same spot Chubb was drafted, if I remember correctly. So very interesting landing spot. I mean, they must not be sold on carry on. Um, I mean, carry on hasn't been able to stay healthy the his two seasons in the league. I think he's only played in six and eight games, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's been productive when he's played, but I mean, if you can only play in 14 games in two seasons, I mean, obviously that's not saying a whole lot. And he, you know, got hurt his last season too in um, college. So I think we talked about this in our previous uh, draft recap, but the NFL really is, you know, has been transitioning to a platoon for years. There's very few teams that just have a workhorse running back. And Dre is built for that platoon, those platoons. And the only thing that concerns me and Matthew Berry, who is the, the fantasy guy at ESPN, but he does little recaps about all the fantasy value of everything like this, but he summed up how the lions use their running backs the best, better than anybody else, because no one wants to talk about it because the lions just don't use their running backs. And maybe that's because they're not very good, but they don't throw to the running backs at all. Ever since they got rid of Riddick, they they don't they haven't they didn't throw to the running backs at all last year. They were thirtieth, uh, I think, in throwing and and pass receptions by their running backs. Maybe, like I said, maybe because they're not very good, but they were like twenty sixth in rushing yards, and I think like 
25th in rushing attempts or something like that. I mean, they were way down there. And that is not how Matt Patricia wants to build his team because he comes from the Belichick model. So he wants to build his team from, you know, running the ball out. And on top of that, that's another thing that I'm not real thrilled about with Trey because he, you never know who's going to get the, you know, he could have three carries one game and 22 the next. You never know with it, with Patricia, just like you never know with Belichick. Same thing with Sony. He could have nine carries one game and none the next. You, you just don't know. So, I mean, it's an interesting spot. I think he'll be successful there, but uh, you just never know. It, it's interesting. I mean, I same with you. I, I didn't have him pegged going to Detroit. I didn't even know Detroit was was jumping for a running back. You know, I didn't know that was a, that was a piece for them. I mean, obviously it should have been because to your point, they haven't, haven't really had anybody in a while that that's put up consistent numbers. Now some of that scheme, obviously, but just haven't had a guy. I think it's good that he's there with a veteran quarterback that never hurts. Right. So, you know, that if Matt's there, they're going to be able to do some stuff. And I mean, a lot of dogs in Detroit now. John Atkins there, Isaac Nata there, Matthew Stafford there, and, and now Dre. So a lot of dogs in Detroit. Cool thing is we get to see Dre play on Thanksgiving, hopefully. So that's nice. I'm interested to see what what he is as a pro. I mean, the the thing for me is he's got to stay healthy, right? Yeah. And if he can stay healthy, he's got a shot, man, to, I think, be a good player in the NFL. I think he fits well in where the NFL is shifting now from a scheme perspective offensively. If they can figure out how to utilize him out of the backfield and get him on the edge, I I think he's got a shot. I think he's unique, too, because he can run inside the tackles. So he presents some good things for him. I don't think he's Nick Chubb-esque, but he's almost like, when you say he's a little bit of a hybrid between Sony and Nick, you know, he can do some things on the edge that Sony could do. You could put him at the slot and and throw him passes like you could do with Sony, but he could also carry the ball 25 times like Nick could, I think. So he's an interesting, I, I think, duality between the two of them. Not to go off on a tangent here, but I feel like that's where New England is is missing out on the use of Sony because they strictly try to use Sony as just a running back. And that's partly because they have James White. And I understand that. But it's like you put Sony in and you know that probably 70% of the time they're going to run the ball. You put James White in, you know that 75% of the time they're going to pass the ball. That's not good. And they're so damn stubborn that they're like, oh, we, you know what we're going to do, but try and stop it. So, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. I hope that Detroit doesn't do that with Dre where they are like, okay, Dre's going to be our James White. Cause I can, if Patricia is going to be stubborn like Belichick, I could see them doing that. It'll be interesting to see what they do, um, how, what the plans are to use him. And I mean, like everything in the NFL, it's all going to be about health, not only of Dre, but health of their offense as a unit too, because I think that all plays into what they do and what kind of rhythm they get in. Um, I think the other thing that's going to be, a storyline for this particular offseason and this particular draft class is they're not going to get the traditional rookie mini camp OTA periods that rookies would normally get. So if they do end up having an NFL season that runs on time, they're not going to have the reps that you would normally get, right? So whether it's Dre or whether it's Jake or, or whoever, right? All the guys that got drafted, they're just not going to be getting the physical in-person reps that 
kids in past draft classes have gotten. So I, that I'll be interested to see if, if that means less undrafted free agents stick because guys are going, well, I already know what this guy can do in the NFL and we've seen the reps and we only got to see this guy for a couple of weeks. You know, it'll be compelling to see how much of a storyline that becomes as this goes on with them not getting that work. How about Tay going last to the Giants? Mystery relevant Tay Crowder. Really excited for Tay. Like I was really disappointed that Tay didn't get invited to the the combine, and I really thought that he should have because I mean the kids just worked his ass off. I mean he's you know two star guy, brought in as a running back, switched positions, didn't complain, worked his way up the depth chart. They kept you know he was really the Solomon Kinley of the defense. There was always somebody brought in, higher recruited. You know, he was playing next to Roquan there for a little bit. Then they brought in, you know, um, Monty Rice, higher recruited guy. Monty couldn't beat him out, so Monty played next to him. So um, then they bring in Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, higher recruited guy is going to take his job. He just continued to plug along and continue to plug along and just tackling machine, played all three downs, you know, just was a, never took him off the field, played special teams, just worked his tail off and just an all around, you know, seemed like a nice guy too. Like, you know, nice kid. Didn't complain, just did his job, humble. And then when he didn't get invited to the combine, my first thought was, damn, at best be an undrafted free agent. So when he had the shot, um, when he got drafted, I was really excited. And then being Mr. Irrelevant, people always seem to, you know, think that, you know, that doesn't matter, but, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, now those guys tend to make up a big chunk, those sixth, seventh round undrafted free agents, they make up a big chunk of the bottom half of rosters. So I think Tay has a good shot at having a long career, may not be with the Giants. I thought he had a shot at uh, having a long career before this particular, you know, instance where he got picked. I th- When I thought he was just going to be an undrafted free agent, just because he's that type of kid, he, he works his ass off. Yeah, I think it's relevant, too, to talk about Tay's origin story, right? Like, he was a high school running back. Well, really, his first three years, he was a high school receiver and was a running back as a senior, was recruited to go. He was going to go to Georgia Southern. The only reason that he ends up at Georgia is because Chris Carson, who, I mean, from Georgia in high school, but was Butler Community College JUCO transfer, was going to come to Georgia literally at the last minute on signing day flips to Oklahoma state and goes to Oklahoma state. They have an open running back spot and Tay comes to Georgia as a running back. I mean, that's the only reason he's, he comes to Athens. So he ends up in Athens as a running back. And then there's a coaching change and coach smart comes in and Kirby's like, you're going to play linebacker. So has to switch positions. And the thing I will always remember about Tay, I mean, obviously there's the play in the Rose bowl and all those things, but I mean, you ever read any type of stories about Tay complaining or Tay, you know, being disruptive or anything like that? Like just a great teammate, just a damn good dog. Like, so I was thrilled for him, thrilled that he got drafted. And I'll be honest with you, if you're going to get picked in the sixth or seventh round, I love that he got picked last because he's mystery relevant, right? And as as our listeners will get to hear about in one of our next episodes, he he gets to partake in irrelevant week and be celebrated and lauded. And I just love that. I think he's the type kid that deserves something like that and would never seek that out on his own. So I love that. I love that he's going to get celebrated. I I think if if you're going to be proud of somebody wearing the G and you're going to be proud of somebody wearing the red and black, boy, Tay Crowder's the guy, man. So I, I was pumped up for him, pumped up for all of them, really. I mean, when, when all of them get drafted or get their shot, you're just excited because you're invested in them, you've watched them, and I'm excited to see what all of them do. 
You got anything else that you had big takeaways from the draft or anything like that? Uh, just want to finish up with going back to the first round. First time since 1991 with any team having two offensive tackles taken in the first round of the NFL draft. So big news for the dogs. Obviously, a lot of that that credit is going to go to Kirby and Pittman. Hopefully, Matt Luke will be able to keep that momentum going. I think he will, even with us transitioning to um, what people will say is a little bit of a smaller offensive line instead of you know the behemoth that Isaiah Wilson is. Love Isaiah Wilson's nickname is Panda, by the way. Didn't realize that yeah. until recently um, when Love he changed that. his Twitter handle. <laughs> I think that's a great one. Um, but I... Overall, like a lot of people were disappointed with, you know, only getting seven people drafted. I still think, you know, this was overall a successful draft class. And I think people need to take it for, you know, what it is. Getting two offensive tackles drafted in the first round. Another running back drafted in the top 35 picks, which realistically is just as good as a first round pick. If you get someone in the top 40. Another offensive lineman, Solomon Kinley, getting drafted, which we didn't have time to talk about today. You know, Jake still got drafted. He got drafted into a, a good situation, too. He's way Jake out. Josh Allen plays one hit away from being a starter. And also, Charlie Warner getting drafted. You know, this is the first tight end we've had drafted since I don't know how. how I can't remember the last tight end that was drafted, honestly. Yeah, because Isaac signed undrafted free agent, right? Undrafted free agent, yeah. I can't remember last tight end that was drafted. So, um, I mean, that's that's big news as well. Um, obviously, had a great combine, but um, that's a good spot too. I think. Oh no, Isaac, Isaac was drafted. I'm sorry, Isaac was drafted. He was drafted in the seventh round. So I apologize for that. Yeah, Char- so. I think it's a good spot for Charlie too. I mean, obviously, everybody saw what they did with Kittle last year. So I think that's a good offense for him. You know, Kyle and his dad before him always, always have, have liked using tight ends. So I, I think that's a good spot for him. Plus, you know, he, he, he'll function in the NFL. They don't really have them anymore, but he's like an H back to me. I mean, that's kind of what he seems like in the NFL game would be an H back. And they, and San Francisco likes to use that because they use uh Kyle, uh, what you check. Yeah. They're, they're like H back type player. Yeah. So I think that's a good, I think yeah. that's a good spot. So, I mean, I just, I thought it was a successful draft. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I thought it was, I thought it was a good draft for the dogs. I mean, seven guys. How many schools in the country so they got seven guys drafted? Not many, right? I think people, I think what's happened is, is that George is on the level now and the fan base is on the level now where everything's just going to be compared with Alabama, LSU, right? So LSU and Alabama had tons of kids get drafted. And so everybody's going, well, we only had seven. Seven people, folks. Like you put seven kids, well, seven kids that got drafted. And then you put another, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, another seven in the pros with undrafted free agents, you got 14 kids that are in the pros uh, or have their shot at the pros. If that's not endorsement of the program, I don't know what is. Five years ago, we had one. Let, let's put it in perspective, folks. I mean, five 2015, we had one. So, I mean, we've come a long, we've come a long way. And this train ain't stopping, brother. No, not at all. They're going to have a banner draft year next year too, and it's just going to keep rolling. So this is a new norm, folks. Draft, like I said previously, I'm a draft junkie. When I hear things, I'm already looking at the the way too early 2021 drafts. So because I just I love this crap. So just throwing it out there, first projected first round picks for next year. There's already three dogs that are projected first round picks next year. So just throwing it out there. So you know, calm down, calm down. Yeah, what are what are they saying? Jamie Jamie Newman, Tyson Campbell, Richard LeCount? Yep. 
which Tyson really surprised me actually because yeah. I was like Tyson's not even a starter, guys. Uh, but okay, but I mean they look yeah. at talent. I'm it, yeah, it, yeah. I was just saying, it's, that's just projectable. Six man. three, yeah. uh, you know, track speed. He's real projectable for the NFL guys. Like that's that, that's a that's a guy that they're gonna fall in love with, and he'll he'll be a combine warrior too, boy. He, he, yeah, he'll test he'll test off the chart. He's going to destroy Byron Jones combine records, like for like the high jump and all that stuff. Like, I mean, I mean, he's an, he's an athletic freak, but I mean, that's neither here or there. In fairness to him, you know, he was hurt last year. He didn't lose his job either. He just didn't get it back because DJ, uh, DJ Daniel was playing so well. Tyson's an interesting guy for this upcoming season because he is a weapon. I mean, if first off that secondary is outrageous outrageous with the amount of talent that's coming back this year and what they recruited in. I mean, I think that's the other thing that's not getting talked about in years past the recruiting class they had, we'd be talking about, well, who's going to play this year? Like which guys are going to start. And now you're like, well, I don't even know where these guys are going to fit. Like they're going to have to play special teams. Some scouting analyst uh, tweeted that out. It was Barton Simmons. I think said that Georgia just had the number one recruiting class. And he's like, I don't see where one player can overtake a starter on this entire out of this entire class, which is insane. It's insane. Uh, that that defense, I'm telling you, man, they are gonna be. Ooh, they're gonna be scary. This virus I'm needs to hurry excited. up and get out of here. The August needs to get here. I'm ready yeah. for some football. And uh, you, come on, let's go, let's go. Well, hey, some positivity on that this week. I mean, President Moorhead came out and said. Dogs will be back on campus in the fall, and they're trying to shoot to get uh, the athletes back on campus by June 1st. I think uh, Anthony Dasher from posted an article last night saying that there is a plan being floated to have athletes start coming back on campus. Oh, I can't remember if it was June 1st or July 1st, and then essentially just roll, like do a quasi spring practice into fall practice hybrid for that for that time period. Now, obviously the world we're living in right now, things change every minute it feels like, but uh, it's at least good that this is something they're starting to talk about. Cause that tells me they're getting data and talking to folks that are saying, Hey man, this is realistic. Cause let's be honest, they wouldn't just come out and say it publicly if that wasn't what they're shooting for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm maybe more so than ever because of what's been going on. God, man, I need, I need the football. I need it back. I need it back bad. Uh, and I'm so looking forward to it being back. The other piece of it is, and maybe nobody wants to talk about this because they're trying to be sensitive, but I ain't that guy. So I'm going to tell you what I feel. Dude, you know how fired up and irritated I'm going to be with what they've got coming back on defense if this is like some screwy season and, and this talent base gets lost. Like these guys don't get their chance to go out and show out. Like that defense has the op- – I mean, I'm telling you, man. They're going to be exciting. Like, I, I think it's going to be one of those defenses where they're not just good, right? Like, tactically. Like, I feel like last year's defense was good tactically. Did not give up points. You knew you're always going to be in the ball game, regardless of the opponent. But I think this defense has the opportunity to be electric. Like, go out and make some big-time game-changing plays. Like, putting points on the board. Those type things. I just think they're going to be field flippers. That defense is just going to flip fields all day long. And, oh, man, I'm pretty freaking excited about it so i'm with you brother this virus needs to get the hell out of here i'm ready for some football i'm ready for some normalcy yeah we and that's the first step give me some football 
All right. Well, uh, we're we're rooting for for all the the damn good dogs that they got picked and are starting their NFL journey. Go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.